So I want to thank everybody for being here and being part of the class. I want to thank the ladies from IPC for bringing the lunches for you guys. And for me, that was a very good lunch. Now, let's go ahead and we'll open in a word of prayer and get started. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the privilege and the joy of coming together as uh, believers and studying your truth. Your word is truth. And as we begin to study your truth today, I pray that you will help us, help us to see what it is we need to see because your word is a living word and it speaks to each and every one of us as individuals. And so everybody here in this room, including myself, um, are dealing with different struggles and, and events in their lives where we need your guidance and your wisdom. And so, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will give us that wisdom we need today. Help us to take something from this group that we can go out and share with a world that desperately needs you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so last week when we were together in our study of the life of Christ and, the, and our study of the harmony of the Gospels, um, we uh, th- talked about... Um, Jesus being command or demanded of Jesus to show a sign to prove who he was. Remember, he it was a he, uh, the people did not believe him, and they were saying, "Show us a sign to prove who you are." And what was Jesus' response to that? Who remembers? What was Jesus' response when he they said, said, "Oh, you said you look for a sign in the sky, but you can't look for a sign in the sky, but you can't discern." No, I'm. Paraphrasing, you can't discern what he's saying. So he he said he said you have natural eyes, and when you see a a storm cloud coming over the horizon, you know there's a storm coming. Mm -hmm. But you don't have the spiritual eyes to discern the the eternal truths Mm -hmm. of God. And so what he said, the only sign that is going to be given to you is the sign of Jonah. And what did we say the sign of Jonah was? Who remembers? What is the sign of Jonah? He was three days in the belly of the fish. And what did, what does Jesus mean by that, guys? What is he what is he pointing to? The three days before he ascended to heaven. Well, the three days before he resurrected from resurrected. the dead. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly right. So remember, Jesus dies on the cross. They buried him in a tomb, and three days later he arose. Right. Then he walked the earth for 40 more days and, and visited with his disciples. Uh, and then he ascended into heaven. Then a few days later, his spirit came down and ascended on the people. And so uh, Jesus is saying that if you want a sign, resurrection from the dead is the sign that you are going to get. And if you guys remember in our last study that we talked about together, we said that uh, we, we called the class or the lesson, um, Believing is Seeing. Mm-hmm. Believing is Seeing. We live in a world where seeing is believing, right. but God works the exact opposite way. God says, if you believe me, you will see me. And remember, all of these people, these doubters that are questioning him, he had already shown them all kind of signs. Hadn't right. He? Right. And he continued to show them signs in all of his earthly ministry. The reality was, is for the non-believer, the more signs that he showed them, the more hardened they became to the truth. Right. Whereas for the believer, the one who had faith, he got to see more and more. And remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, three days after he died and was buried, when he rose from the dead, the only people who got to see him after that were the believers. He never revealed himself to the non-believers anymore after that, remember? And that's really cool to think about because, you know, if it were me or you and they had nailed me to a cross and I had died and been buried in a grave for three days and rose from the dead, 
the first place I would probably want to go is to Herod's temple, mm-hmm. right, to Herod's palace, and go in and flex like Hulk Hogan or something. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I told you you couldn't keep me down, you know. But he didn't do that, did he? No. He went and he uh, he disclosed himself to his belief, to the believers mm-hmm. and showed them that their faith was in something that was true, right. and that in the same way that he rose from the dead, all believers are guaranteed that same promise mm-hmm. himself. And so that was kind of how we finished up the class last week together. We were saying, um, believing, uh, the world tells you to show me and I'll believe you. And God says, believe me and I'll show you. And what is the way that God reveals himself to me and you today? What is the way that he reveals himself to us? Through his word. Through his word. That's exactly right. And that is the, that is the only way, that is the only standard, right? that God uses to reveal himself to us. I want to make sure that at the beginning of what we're going to talk about today, we see that. So keep your your finger in the the Matthew 16 passage that we're going to use our main text today. And turn with me back to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and this is what it says. God, after He spoke, now how does God speak? Through His Word. Remember, all through the Old Testament, and God said to Moses, and God said to Isaiah, and God said, and God said, and God said. So in the Old Testament, what is God doing? He's speaking out loud. His prophets were literally hearing His voice. Thus saith the Lord. He's speaking. So God, after He spoke long ago in the fathers, in the prophets, right? He He was spoke. He spoke through uh, the prophets. Guys, Hebrews. It's right here. Right here. Thank what you. Chapter, what chapter are you I did in Hebrews 1. That was somewhere back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, backyard. I know. Right after. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, God, after He spoke long ago in the fathers, in the prophets, in any portion and in many ways. In many portions and many ways. All right. So it says God spoke long ago to the fathers. So he spoke out loud. Now who are the fathers? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Remember? Mm-hmm. All right. He spoke to them. And then this is what it says. In the father, uh, prophets, in many portions and in many ways. So, Lord, you can do my mind shutting that door? So when it says that God spoke through the prophets, who is the writer of Hebrews referring to? God spoke through the prophets. Who is he? Who is he referring to there? You said Abraham. Isaac, okay, that was the, that was the fathers of the faith. Abraham was the father of faith. All right. right. So Abraham, he spoke. To, he spoke to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Mm-hmm. He spoke through the prophets. Well, 
Good. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, all of those, Malachi, those guys. Remember? Those are the prophets. So what what the writer of Hebrews saying, I remember the book of Hebrews was probably written somewhere right before the temple was destroyed, probably around 60 to 70 A.D. And he's saying that God spoke through the prophets. So what is the New Testament writer of the book of Hebrews? I personally Paul. think it's Paul. It's but, Paul. But, it says right here. Well, well you have an older Bible. Hebrews is unknown. It's going to be Paul, Barnabas, Silas, yeah. Paul. Okay, Luke, so I, anyhow... We don't know who the writer is. We know he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure it was Paul, but there's a lot of scholars that would argue with that. Do you take, Sounds like Paul, isn't it? Yeah, it does sound like Paul. And uh, <clears throat> so when he he says he spoke through the prophets. Now remember, so what are you saying? He's writing this about 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Would it be Jonah? Jonah was one of the prophets, no doubt. But what? Who? who are the prophets? All of the Old Testament writers, Moses. So was the written word from good, the prophets good, in the Old Testament. very good, Lori. God's word. Good. So God spoke through the Father uh, to the hey, fathers. He spoke to the fathers. He spoke through the prophets, and in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. So, who is the final prophet? As a matter of fact, in the in the Old Testament. Moses made a prophecy that one day a prophet greater than him was going to come along that would reveal all things. Well, who was that greater prophet? Jesus. Okay, so when you read the Old Testament, you are reading God speaking to you just as much as He is speaking to you through His Son Jesus because it's His Spirit that is speaking. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. But the writer of the New Testament is pointing us back where? To the Old Testament to show us that the writings of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Ruth and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, all of those is just as much God speaking to us as in the New Testament. We need to understand that it's all His revealed revelation to us. Okay? But when he when it began, when He began to reveal Himself to man, He started by speaking to the fathers through the prophets, and now through His Son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you and I have an advantage over an Old Testament saint. Why? Because we have the complete revelation. We have everything that God wants us to know about Him. So, if someone comes along to you today and they they tap you on the shoulder and they say, Hey brother, i got a new revelation from God for you. I had a dream last night and He told me to come and tell you this. What should your reaction be to that? No, no. Because God does not need to speak anymore. Mm -hmm. What He has said through His Son, Jesus Christ, is the complete message. Everything we need to know. The empty tomb and the King of Kings on the throne is the message we need. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. And the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict Himself. So if one of your friends comes to you and he says that he's speaking to you from the Holy Spirit, what he is actually claiming to do is to speak for God. Mm-hmm. And that is a dangerous place to be, guys. Mm-hmm. A very dangerous place to be. Now, before we get to the main text, as you go to the left, back towards Matthew, I want you to stop really quick in John chapter 20. So it's to the left on the way back to Matthew. And we're going to look at John 
chapter 20. Some of y'all who have been in our group for a long time may uh, remember uh, these verses. Uh, we've read them in the past before. Uh, but it says this in um, John chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 30 and 31. Is everybody there? John 20, verses 30 and 31. John 20, John 20, verses 30 and 31. And this is what it says. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So why did John the Apostle write the book of John? So that you and I could have the words of God so that we could have eternal life, so that we could believe in Him. You see how that works? Mm-hmm. And so that's very important. And, that, and so the substance of our faith is the Word of God alone. Alright, now that's all a preface to the class for today. Let's go back to Matthew 16 and look. And we're going to start in verse 5. Matthew chapter 16. And today we're going to be reading verses 5 through 12. And this is what it says. The disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. Now remember, if you look in your Bible to the left to Matthew 15 Verse 32 through 39, you will realize that a couple months ago, or last about two months ago, we had a class on Jesus doing what? Feeding mm-hmm. five, 4,000 people mm-hmm. with some bread and fish. Yeah. All right? So today, what we're doing is, after he fed all of those people, they got in a boat and went to the other side of the lake. All right? So this, our study has gone over almost two months now, but this is just a day. They've packed up and they've left where he fed the 4,000 and now they're on the other side of the lake. When they got out on the other side of the lake, the Pharisees and the Sadducees tested him trying to get him to show them a sign. And now he is alone with his disciples. And this is what it said. The disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They begin to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. Now, Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not say beware of the leaven of bread, but beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It has a lot of different meanings. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to try to unpack this with this little bit of time we have left in the class. So Jesus is alone with his disciples, right? Jesus is alone with his disciples, and he chides them. He, he, he warns them. 
he, 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 the disciples came outside. They didn't bring any bread with them. So what's wrong with having? They didn't have any bread. Hungry. They're going to get hungry, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> now, what did he just done on the other side of the lake? He just fed them. Mm-hmm. Not only did he feed the four thousand, but then there was a bunch left over for them to take with them, right? <coughs> but they didn't bring any. There was a bunch left over for them to take with them, but they didn't grab it when they right, left. Right. So, what are they worried about? Oh no, we don't have any food. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jesus said, "Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees." Now, go to the end of the verse and look. Uh, verse twelve. They understood he wasn't saying beware of leaven of bread, but the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is speaking metaphorically, or Jesus is speaking in parables. Right. All right. Now remember, one of the basics of our faith, uh, one of the basic teachings of the New Testament and the Word of God is that which is flesh mm-hmm. is flesh, mm-hmm. and that which is spirit is spirit. Right. Now, oftentimes Jesus will use earthly and temporal things like our humanity to depict to us a spiritual reality. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, Jesus will use physical things to teach us about spiritual things. Can someone give me an example of a parabolic teaching of Jesus? The tares and the weeds. Good, wheat and tares. All right. What is it? And, and now you and I don't understand that because we already get our frosted mini wheats in a box, Paul. Pat. <laughs> but but back then they had to cut the wheat down, and there was a bunch of stalks and holes and 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 bad stuff in it. And what would they do? They would take a pitchfork. They would get up on a hill where the wind was blowing really good, and they would throw it up into the air. And the wind would blow away all of the waste, and the seed, the good seed, would fall back down to the ground because the wind didn't blow it. And so that was the method that they used to separate the good seed, the wheat, from the the the, the tares. Right? The, the tares also being uh, fake fake wheat, wheat that looks like wheat but it doesn't have any holes in it. If any of you in this room from South Georgia have ever eaten a peanut and a boiled peanut and you got one that would look very pretty and you open it up and there wasn't nothing but like three little tiny nothings inside of it. It's aggravating to bust one of those open, right? Well, there's a lot of wheat out there in the world or a lot of tares out in the world that look like real wheat but they don't have any seed in them. They don't have any grain or kernel in them. They're, they're a waste, you see? And so Jesus, the guy's a good one, Michael. Anybody else? Somebody? Yeah. Um, I think it was Martha and Mary that were cook, that were preparing food for Jesus, mm. and Mary was at his feet, and Martha came out, and she said, "Lord, Master, would you please tell her to come out me?" And he said, "Oh, woman, good, there. good." So, so Martha was worried more about the physical work that needed to be done around the house, and what did Jesus say? Your sister has chosen the more important work, and what is that work? To hear and to believe the word of God. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, that's a good one. Somebody else. The talents. The talents. The, yep. The, uh, the parable of the talents, right? One guy had five talents. One guy had two talents. One guy had one talent. And when he came back, he rewarded each of them for what they had done with the talents that they had. Good. Anybody else? How about the, the, the workers that all got? Some of them worked all day. Some of them worked partial good. day, and they all got the same pay. Good. Very good. That's another one. And so all of these now, and so these are things that we understand. You've had a party at your house before and had a bunch of guests over and nobody was helping you and you was running around crazy, right? We can grasp that. We can understand that. 
Um, we can understand going out and working really hard at our job and some other guy's making 15 more dollars an hour than we are and he's doing nothing. And it's frustrating to you because you're out there busting your can and here's somebody else that's not doing anything and they're getting paid more than you are. We can understand that. So you see what Jesus does? He uses life principles to teach us spiritual eternal life principles. It also shows us that Jesus knows what life on earth is. Yep, very good. Very good. Ah. Knows the problems we face. Good. Yes. Yep. And and so even the the parable of the lost sheep, remember, and the parable of the lost coin, and the and the parable of the prodigal son, and so all of these are earthly stories that teach us spiritual principles, and that's what's going on here. What Jesus is doing is he's trying to teach his disciples what is most important. What are they thinking about? Their stomachs are churning, right? And Jesus had just said something to another group of people just a few minutes earlier, and, and He had said, the only reason that you people came and followed us is because we filled your belly with food. Mm-hmm. That's why you're here. You're here because you're getting food. Right? We, matter of fact, we talked about it last week, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We said there may be somebody in this room. I, I maybe Just come just because there's a good sandwich and, and some chocolate chip cookies, you know? Right? I know a lot of folks that uh, I, I know a lot of folks that uh, you know. I grew up in Baptist churches, and about every other Sunday, you would have a, a covered dish dinner at the church. And I knew it was a lot easier to get one of my friends to come to Sunday school with me if he knew we was going to be eating after church. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. And so people love to fill up their stomach, but when it comes to filling up their heart and their lives with the Word of God, there's a difference. And so that's what he's going to do here. He's going to draw that out. So in uh, Matthew 16, in verse 6, he warns them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they begin to question him on themselves, saying, He said this because we do not have any bread. Mm-hmm. So he's warning them of leaven, and they're thinking what? We don't have no bread. All right, now... Remember, Jesus is speaking to a group of Jewish people, and they would have understood leaven in a different way than you and I would. What is leaven for me and you? Leaven is the stuff that makes the pizza crust at the end of my pizza puff up, right? Mm -hmm. Leaven is the stuff that makes my bread nice and fluffy when I buy it at the store. Like yeast, yeah, that's it, right? So, leaven is without the yeast? Eleven uh, is yeast. Oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so if you if you buy if you if you ever seen a piece of unleavened bread, I I, I hadn't I've never taken like communion IPC. What what do y'all use for y'all's communion bread? Like it's it's, it's, it's leavened bread. Yeah. Yeah, it's puffy bread. I, I fuss it the but folks at my. This will use unleavened bread. It's just a thin flat wafer. Yeah. Like saltines. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so at, at the church I go to, we use unleavened bread. They don't use any leaven in it. Uh, they, they use unleavened flour, and it's real flat, and it doesn't have a lot of taste to it, and it's kind of crunchy a little bit. It's not, it's not fluffy and wholesome. It's, it's, yeah, it's like a saltine, very similar to a saltine cracker. It's like a taco shell. Right. So the unleavened bread would remind these Jewish people of their history. All right. And so what I want you to do now is keep your mark in Matthew 16, and let's turn back really quickly to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, that's the second book in the Bible. And this is right before uh, the Passover when the children of Israel are going to be set free from the bondage and slavery of Egypt and set free to go to the promised land. And if you guys remember, what is the method that God used to set them free? He put the beat down on Pharaoh, remember? And not only that, the final plague was what? The death of the firstborn of all of those in Egypt. And so... 
What is the significance of that? Well, the Israelites were considered God's firstborn. The Israelites were God's firstborn. And so what does God say in the Pharaoh? You put your hand on my firstborn and I will destroy your firstborn. All right? And so for 430 years, he had been beating those people down and treating them miserably. And now God is stepping in to do something about it. But just before they put the, the blood over their door, yeah. just before that and just before the angel of the Lord passed over the, uh, and destroyed the firstborn in Egypt, just before that, they had a feast. And that's what we want to look at here. So in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, it said, Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you will celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat what? Unleavened bread. But on the first day you shall remove leaven from your house. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person will be cut off. All right. So um, you can you can take some time. Uh, well, we, we'll go ahead and finish reading it. On, it says, You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought you, uh, your hosts, out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month in the evening. Seven days there will be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leaven, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leaven in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. All right, now, um, we'll stop short of him talking about the Passover lamb because that was the next thing that they were to do during their celebration was to eat the Passover lamb and smear the blood over their door, um, which is very important. And I hope that you'll take some time and go back and read that on your own. But again, we're focusing on the unleavened today. Uh, so so if you want to turn back to Matthew 16. Why, yes, sir. Why are we, is this, uh, what is this relatable to today? The unleavened bread, is this something we have to do? That's a great question, Malcolm. We're, we're fixing to describe that. All right. Uh, that's a really good question. So Jesus is talking about beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. The leaven and the unleavened. Why was leavened bread always used or unleavened bread always used? What was, what was so not good about the leavened bread that in certain instances... They were told not to do it. Is it because yeast is live and they weren't to eat anything raw? Or is it... All through the Bible, okay. leaven... But they never explain why. So, okay, so what happens when you put the yeast in the in the dough? It dies and ferments. Okay. And it's the it's the what the gases that are put off from the fermentation, the dying and the rotting that causes it to swell. Okay. So all through the Bible, uh, leaven is a picture of the corruption of sin in our life. Okay. So on the first day of their feast, and they still do this day. The children of Israel, if you meet some Jewish people in their house, they'll still do this at, uh, at the feast of unleavened bread. They give all of their kids feathers, and they run around the house and they sweep up all of the leather. It's really just sweeping up the dust. But what is the focus? Get your house in order. Sweep up all of the corrupting things out of your your home. That makes sense. And then for the next seven days, they would eat nothing that was corrupt. They would eat nothing that was unleavened. Now, you remember when they got ready to leave Egypt, they didn't have enough time to let the bread ferment. They had to eat unleavened bread. They had to pack unleavened bread for the trip, right? 
What is the point of that? God's working on His time, not your time. Mm-hmm. And when He says go, you ain't got time to sit around. you got to go when it's time to go. And so Jesus is using this example of leaven. And what it's going to do is it's going to tie these disciples' minds all the way back to the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And all through the Old Testament, the Jewish people knew that leaven was a picture of sin. Okay. All right? But they're not catching it at first because what did he say? Look what he says. Uh, verse 6, Jesus said, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So immediately their minds should have went, the leaven is corrupting. Yeah. But it didn't, did it? Because look what they said. They began to discuss among themselves saying, uh, we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> so immediately, instead of thinking of spiritual things, what are they thinking of? Physical things. And isn't that the case with us? Even in the parables. How many of those parables have you read and go, what in the world was that talking about? <laughs> and then some preacher preaches on it and you go, oh, that's what it meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why do men give one ten talents and another one five? Yeah. What kind of business yeah, yeah, yeah. That? That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Now remember, <laughs> in Jesus' parabolic teachings, there's a purpose in the parables. If you go back to the, we did this class, I don't know, it's been four months ago or so now, but we did the parable, um, uh, of the seed and the sower. Y'all remember yeah. us doing that class a couple months back? And what Jesus said is this parable is the key to understanding all of the parables. But what he said was, I'm sharing these parables not so that, not just so that you can understand, but so that the non-understanding, the non-believing will become more dumb. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the parable is like a, this is what Jesus would do. He would throw the parable out there. And to the hardened, unbelieving heart, what would be the reaction to the parable? Disbelief. What is this wackadoo talking about? This makes no sense. But to those who are being drawn to God, Mm -hmm. what happens? It makes sense. It might not quite make sense, but it'll be... what it'll at least make you curious enough. Good. It draws you to it so you can find out the answer. Yeah. You see how that works? Mm-hmm. So the parable, he throws it out there, and what happens? The unbelieving become more unbelieving. The believing start going, wait a minute, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they start digging into it. They start meditating on it. They start mm-hmm. thinking about it. And then they start, hopefully, what? Depending applying it applying yeah. it to their life. Yeah. Good. And that's exactly right, Lori. Because the only one that is truly going to understand the parable is one that the Holy Spirit is at work in. Mm-hmm. It's only through the Holy Spirit opening their eyes and their hearts and their minds that it's going to start making sense. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that. If you if you understand a parable, the reason it is is because God has opened your mind to understand mm-hmm. it. Now, once you understand it, now you're accountable for it. And that can be another thing in itself, can it? Because I have to be responsible for that now. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. question, brother. So... It says, watch, watch and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You, you think that could possibly be talking about the puffiness, you know, the pride? We're, we're, we'll get into that in just a second. Point. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into that in just a second. That's a great point. Yep. All right. So he says, but Jesus said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves? You have no bread. So what is he doing? He's saying you're thinking with your stomach, and I need you thinking with your heart. Mm-hmm. He's forcing them to realize they're thinking about physical things, and in reality, he's talking about spiritual things. Do you not understand or remember the five loaves and the five thousand or how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves or the four thousand and how many baskets full you picked up? Okay. <clears throat> Jesus 
If you remember in John 6, we did this lesson a couple months ago too. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And whoever follows me will never hunger. All right? That's very important to remember because what are we talking about here? Spiritual food. Bread. Yeah, spiritual and physical food. Because what had he just done? He had just fed 5,000 and 4,000 with a little bit. So what is he showing? That God has the ability to feed his people. God, in Philippians it says, My God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So God will supply the things that we need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he supplies all the things I need. And if I have all of the things I need... I will not want anything. Our problem is, is that we chase after leaven. We chase yeah, after things. Gonna, I was just going to comment uh, that because what we need and what we want sometimes are two different things. Um, but the more you grow in the Lord and you start noticing the things that he does supply for us, the knowledge of his love, the, the physical things that he supplies for us, that's all we need. And it's okay to be happy with that because... It's wonderful, and if you keep chasing, if you keep chasing after like the bigger, bigger car or or, or, or things like that, you're not focusing, and mm-hmm. that should tell you something. Good. So you, can you see where the things of the world? He's going to make us comfortable and right? give us what we need. The things of the world can be a very uh, the exact the the physical reality of the things that are leaven that puff us up and corrupt us. You see how that works? Mm-hmm. So we take in the things of the world. Okay, so I get my pizza dough and I put yeast in it. What happens to it? It puffs and swells up. And I put it in the oven cooking. I got a nice cheesy crust on my pizza. All right? Well, the same thing works in the world. You go out and you chase after the things of the world and it will puff you up and it will make you look pretty, but you're just full of hot air. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you take that slice of bread that's all fluffy and squash it down to nothing but bread, it's exactly the same amount of food. There you go. Yep. The only thing that's missing is the air. empty space. Right? But we say, oh boy, I want that nice fluffy bread because of what? The nothing that's there. Yep. There you go. Why is that such a big deal? Very great. Very good uh, uh, observation. All right. So, Malcolm, we're going to try to answer yours. And you got to remind me. Justin. Justin. We gotta re- we're going to try to get to what y'all were asking here to finish up the class. So, he says, how do you not understand that I not speak to you concerning bread? All right. So what is he saying? This ain't about physical food. This is about spiritual realities. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So now we need to remember, and we need to go back to some of our former lessons and remember who the Pharisees and the Sadducees are. Okay. The Pharisees. The word Pharisee means separated ones. All right. It means the one that had that have drawn themselves away from the rest of the people. And they're different than everybody else. Now, is that actually a bad thing sometimes? No, because the Bible calls us God's saints, His holy ones. And what does it mean? We're the called out ones. We're the sanctified ones. We're different from the rest of the world. The problem with the Pharisees is the Pharisees were bound up in self. All right? They were, the Pharisees did not drink, and they did not smoke, and they did not cheat on their wives, and they did not say cuss words, and they did not hang around with people that did. But the problem is, they, now, guys, cussing and smoking and drinking and cheating on your wife are no, none of those are good things. Right? So is it a bad thing to not do those? No, that's a good thing. 
It's a good thing to separate yourself from the world and sin and the corruption of the world. But these men were not doing it to glorify God. They were not doing it to say, this is what God is doing in my life. They did it to say, look at me. That was their yeast. That was their leaven. So their leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees is these. They were self-righteous. They were self-willed. And they were self-sufficient. Right? So the leaven of the Pharisees is self-righteousness, self-will, and self-sufficiency. And it gave them a reason to look down on the other folks. It puffed them up, didn't it? Good. It puffed them up. Why? Who were they depending on? Themselves. And if you are here today and you're depending on yourself, who are you not depending on? Jesus. And they were supposed to be looking out for God's people. God's people should have been more important than anything else in the world. They were trying to set an example and all they did was make themselves proud. Right. And if you remember, um, you remember what Jesus said to them, I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for this sheep. There, you, 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 uh, you don't care anything about yeah, the sheep. Yeah, those Sadducees and Pharisees, they would have never done <clears> Good. Like that. All right, so the Pharisees were a religious crowd, so they had a religious leaven about them. Now remember, what is religion? Religion is not a bad thing. James says, pure religion and undefiled before the Father is to visit the widows in their afflictions and take care of the orphans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what real religion looks like. Mm-hmm. So is there anything wrong with religion? No, nothing at all. And you'll hear people say this today. Well, I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. Okay. Well, religion is the things that we do to glorify God. All right. The relationship is based on what he did to get to us. And the religion is based on the things that we do to show him our thanks for that. Our religion does not get us to God. It's an expression that we belong to him. And that's very important to remember because what did Jesus say? No man has ascended into heaven. What does that mean to ascend into heaven? You have never climbed up to God on your own efforts. So you're taking communion and you're being baptized and you're singing in the choir and you're giving alms to the poor and, and Lord, you're working at Chatham Transition. None of that is getting you to God. And if it ever gets to the point where you think it is, then you have the leaven of the Pharisees in you. You see how that works? You're being puffed up with thinking the things you are doing is what is getting you to God. The very used to worry about that in the very beginning. He said, never put your fingers under your suspenders. And I didn't know exactly what he meant by that. (laughs) And so... But now I have a question. So getting to God is your relationship with him. No, the relationship, the relationship is what Jesus did on the cross for you, what the mm-hmm. Father did by sending His Son to you for you, and what the Holy Spirit did by converting you and making you a child of God. That's the relation. The relationship but is based on what He. Love that. Takes. Yep. Yeah, it, but what gets us into heaven is is what. What Jesus did on the cross for you. Okay. And what right. He's doing for you now is your high priest in heaven. Okay. So you see, who, who am I? Who am I depending on to get me to heaven when I say that? Jesus. Good. Okay. But as soon as it becomes not going to church or my singing in the choir or mm-hmm. me being good and not cussing and not drinking and not mm-hmm. smoking that gets me into heaven, then who am I depending on then? Yourself. You see, and that's what okay. the Pharisees were doing. Oh. They were they were self-righteous. It was about what they were doing. And it was about bringing glory to them. Look at our nice suits we wear and 
Look how orthodox we are. And we know all the, we can name all the books in the Old Testament. And we can quote the first five books of the Bible by heart. But when you're saved by Christ and, and you honestly have a loving relationship with Him, you want to do those things to honor Him because your, your heart just wants you to. Right. But the difference is you're doing it because you want to. They're doing it and because they have to. Who's doing it because they want to? Because you know, but you want to. God I want God to be in church. Good. All right. So listen to what Lord just said. That's very important. Remember what the children of Israel did once every year on the feast of Passover. What did they do? Sacrifice. They went. Well, they did sacrifice, but they went into their homes and they swept all of the leaven out of the house. What is the leaven? The things that puffs them up. So what are we to do? We are to ask the Holy Spirit, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my rock and my redeemer. So on a daily basis, what am I asking the Holy Spirit to do? To purge my life of the puffiness of the me. You see? Sweep it out. Like an ego. Like a big ego. Like big headed. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so you're praying to God and saying, God, take the me out of me and put you in me. Let the world see you, not me. Right. I must decrease and he will increase. That's what John the Baptist said. Yes, ma'am. Did you have? Okay. All right. So the Pharisees, what was their leaven of the Pharisees? Self righteousness, self sufficiency, self will. It was all about self. Now, the Pharisees were a different group than the Sadducees. These are, the Pharisees and the Sadducees um, are both the, the two ruling groups of the, the nation of Israel. And it would be very similar to, I, I guess one of the better ways to describe it in, a, in terms of our world today, the Pharisees would be the religious right wing uh, of society. The, the preachers and the Sunday school teachers and the and the the leaders of the churches and the now, now listen not everybody that's a leader or a preacher in a church is a Pharisee but there can be that tendency when you get into that position to become self righteous self will self sufficient so these people would be the religious uh, sect the Sadducees were more of the political faction of Israel these were the people that were in bed with Herod. These are the people that were in bed. These were the people that were serving on the sentence and getting the votes from the people. Mm-hmm. So they were more using religion as a way for social construct and for, to get, make social ties. And so they were affluent in their society because of their uh, political stature. They were like the Wall Street group. Good. They, yeah. <laughs> good. Very good. That would be. I'm sorry. That would be a good way to describe it. it, it, it so it's more of a uh, so. The point being is this. Um, they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. Um, they, there was a lot that they didn't believe. They weren't very spiritual minded. Spiritual minded. They were more Isn't that amazing living in the moment. Because it's yeah, written in their scrolls. Right. How Jesus was going to rise. The Sadducees. Okay. And so what would be what would be the puffiness? What would be the leaven of the Sadducees? It would be me depending on the world system around me. Instead so I'm of depending on God. The of the and, not, and to be careful of that, what Jesus is telling his disciples is because they they're puffed up, they're self righteous, and so that's what they're preaching to folks: be like me, and, and instead of pointing them to, to God. Very good, very good. That's what they're preaching. But this this group would be the group that trusted in. So you know, I mean, 
trusting in law. You were supposed to. The Bible commands us to pray for our political leaders. Yes. To pray for the mayor and to pray for the governor and to pray for the president. Um, I don't. I, nowhere in it says I that I have to be pleased with them. Like, no. Right. Or agree with them, but I do need to pray for them. Why? Because these are the people that God has placed in the rule. Mm-hmm. But, but what happens is. Is when you begin to look to your political leaders and your military might, and when you begin to look to your to the the educational system, and when you begin to look, and nothing is wrong with any of those things in themselves. Science is a good thing. Politics is a good thing. The problem is, is men are in it and it messes it up. But the point being is, when I get to the point where I am relying on science or politicians or military might or the the flag of the United States, when I begin to depend upon those kind of things to give me my purpose and meaning in life, then who am I not depending on? Jesus. On God. Yeah. I think the Sadducees were like the ones who were counting on their connections. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they were they were going by who they knew, mm-hmm. and that gave them their, in, their influencers. Good. Good. So instead of, look at me how good I am, like the Pharisees, the Sadducees were saying, look how, look how much effect I have. They were dropping names. They were name droppers. And, you know, they, they were the ones that wanted their statue out in front of the building, and like, so it was all. So. Um, in verse 11, how is it that you do not understand the, I speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teachings. All right. So these guys were going out and professing these things, the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, who is Jesus speaking to? His own disciples. So what should that tell me and you in this room? That we are very susceptible to being corrupted Mm-hmm. By the leaven. It is a thin line. Huh? It is a thin line. Yep. They're very, very thin. And leaven's tiny too. It's like not something it you is. can really detect. You only notice it when it starts swelling everything up, right? It's like sometimes I put some, I mess up and put some wet trash in my trash can on Monday. And I forget about it, but then come like next week when it's time to take trash, I got them little flies all flying around there. What's happened? It like it, it got rotten and corrupted in there, and so now I have to leave the lid down. Why? Because if I open up, the stink's coming out, right? And that same thing can happen in our life when we allow the corrupting things of this world, when we allow self righteousness and self sufficiency and self will, when we allow ourselves to start depending on the world around us instead of God. Then our lives become corrupt, and it may we may look fine on the outside for a while, but eventually the stink comes out, doesn't it? Yeah. You see how that works. So what is he warning us on a daily basis? We should be sweeping our lives of the sin and the corrupting nature of this world Everyone from out of us. And last thing, and then we're done. What was the symbol that he used for what he provides for us? Bread. Mm-hmm. And what is our bread of life? Jesus. The Word of God. Yeah, Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. The Word of God. And so we need, if I fill my heart and my mind and my life with these truths, then there's less room in there for the corrupting mm-hmm. lies. Uh, and your life begins to change. Yeah. Very, and, your, right. and your eyes start looking towards Christ instead of yeah. the world or the challenges or, or the bad things coming at you because you can, you've got someone to trust. Yeah. All right. So next next time we get back together, um, we'll uh, we'll begin to talk about Jesus is going to reveal to his disciples. Um, this will be the first time we see it, but he's going to do it several times. He's going to start letting his disciples know that he's fixing to die. Yeah.
And we'll see that next week when we come back together. So let's close with a quick word of prayer. I hope everybody takes something from the lesson today. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this time together. And uh, help us um, purge our lives from the corrupting things of sin that is in us. Help us to see them and help us to be willing to turn away from them and trust in you uh, to cleanse our our minds and our hearts and our souls. Um, Feed us with your bread of life. Give us a hunger. Uh, not for the things of this world, but for your word and for your truth. And I pray that you will help every person in this room to go out of here um, checking themselves, to purge their lives of the leaven that has puffed us all up and, and to just fill us with your, your pure and unadulterated um, Holy Spirit. And so it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we give you thanks and praises and the ladies request at your feet. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.